All right, man. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Glad to be here. Glad you were able to make it. I know. This this is exciting. I'm like nervous and excited. <laughs> yeah. <'cause it's>, <laughs> never done this before. No. I'm like, this could be really good or it's going to be like, oh, remember when we did this like years ago and <laughs> just starting out? Hopefully they'll get better every time. Yeah, they will. I'm sure. I cool. apologize in advance. <laughs> Uh, they were shoot from the hip on these okay yep. just give us a minute <laughs> all right so this is episode one of the noble two three podcast and my first guest is kevin bates hey guys um if you want to introduce yourself uh so uh, i guess uh fireman and <sighs> i don't know what else you want me to say <laughs> Uh, all right. So I've been a fireman for a couple of years. Uh, before that I was in the serve, I was in the Marines for a couple of years. Um, and now I just like going out and doing stuff outside and hanging out with my daughter and, you know, just. How old is she now? She's eight. Yeah. I saw the picture the other day and that was like tapped on the, I was like, holy crap, she's getting old. Oh dude. She's going to be nine in March. I'm like, stop, just slow down. Yeah. <sighs> so what'd you do in the Marines? So I was military police. Um, so, I, but it was, so I, I tell everyone that and they're like, oh, you see, you worked the gate. I was like, I actually never did like real cop stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know this, but there was a field side for MPs. And when I found that, I was like, I hope to God I get that. Cause like I chose MP cause I was like, you know, it, if I got out, it'd be something that'd be simple to kind of do in the civilian sector. Right. And then when I found out there was a field side, I was like, this is what I want to do. Like. I got attached to a couple of cool units and stuff and uh, got to go to some really cool classes because of that. And I had, I had a blast. Um, so like what kind of classes did you go to? So I went to personal security detail, uh, SRT, which is like their SWAT mm-hmm. for, for the military side. Um, I got to go to uh, designated marksman and then what else? So you ended up being more of like a door kicker than a gatekeeper. Pretty much. Okay, cool. Yeah, so basically, like, we were trained for all kinds of stuff. Um, like, my first deployment, we were pretty much security. Um, and so it was shortly after shortly after the Benghazi happened, and they were trying to ramp up security for all the other embassies, and they didn't have enough fast teams, which are the grunts going out and doing the security. So they're like, hey, we're going to go and be basically security for the embassy, but also for the stadies that work there. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically we we did like uh, convoy securities from like our, our compound was to the embassy, um, which was about a mile down the road. Um, so we, we, we would do that for the stadies and stuff. What do you mean by stadies? For those who don't know. So, like, government officials that... State Department. State Department, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, we basically did security for them, and then um, basically just kind of hold down the fort a little bit, you know, for seven, eight months. Okay. So, and then the ambassador, he was obviously there at the embassy. I think... I don't think we met him... He was always kind of in and out, but it was fun. 
Um, and then the second deployment, we did personal security details. So like if we, I was on a MU, so that's a um, Marine Expeditionary Unit. So it's like basically Marines are actually on a naval ship and we just kind of travel around. Right. Um, and so we would do uh, secure, so like we, if I say we're gonna go to a country, we would go out and like kind of forward observe Mm-hmm. And then, like, if some official from the the ship wanted to go out, you know, like it could be an admiral or general or whoever, like we would kind of be their security for them, you know. And it was kind of cool because, like, we also worked with the Master at Arms, which is the Navy's MPs. Mm-hmm. So we got to kind of have free range of the ship, you know, like walk around and. It, it was it was fun. Like I I enjoyed it, and I was like, man, I don't want to go stand at a gate now and just be like, yeah, your card's good, yeah, your card's good. Like I was like, I ain't gonna write tickets anyways, so because I'm like, I know I speed. <laughs> <laughs> but but now it was it was fun, and and now I I enjoy what I do now too. Like I've so, been, why didn't you go to why didn't you swat? Why did you? Oh my god! (laughs) Why did you not switch into the the civilian side of law enforcement? Uh, well, so there's a lot of paperwork that goes in writing tickets and and all this stuff, and so we actually did pay attention to our current job. Yeah, I know they kind of they really like undersold that. (laughs) You know, they're like, man, you just get to go in there and like break shit and you know, put out fires and save lives. They didn't tell us all these damn like PCRs and this report and that report. And like, did you get the TPS report, Bob? No, I didn't, Bob. Like, like so much stuff. I was like, you know, I should have just been a cop. No, no, I do like it though. Cause like, I think the biggest thing is like for, for cops is at least in the civilian sector is you, you kind of go it alone for most of it. Like you're in the squad car, you know, you're making all these calls. You're out there by yourself. Like in the fire service, I've got four or five guys that I'm always with. Right. And like, I, I like that team, like that unity of like, Hey, I'm not in this alone. Like we're, we're always going to be together kind of stuff and strength in numbers kind of stuff. The brotherhood is more physically present exactly throughout the entire day or the entire shift versus like you know you got guys coming versus you already have guys there exactly like i know right. if i roll up on a you know any kind of call i've at least got one other person with me that like for whatever reason because i mean there's been some sketchy calls where like you walk in and you know there's guns over here or dude's just going crazy and you're like all right like if I was a cop, I'd have to call for backup, and then I gotta like wait. There's now, been a couple of times like that. If like if I'm not the lead medic on a call, and then I just kind of stand back and I start like yeah. just scanning, and I'm yeah. like, uh, and I think that that a little uncomfortable. <laughs> I think that does kind of come too from being in the military. Is like like we'll be on a call, like I'll just kind of look around, and they'll be like, "What are you looking for?" I'm like, oh, "Just you know, make sure I know where the egresses are, make sure that." Every, just staying situationally aware. Yeah, because I got caught off guard one time, and I was like, mm. we were on a call. I don't remember what the nature of it was, but, like, we were all kind of fixated on the patient, and all of a sudden, like, there's a door, like, in the back over here, and, like, it just goes, bam, and it's this old guy, and he's like, 
the hell are you guys doing here? And we we're just like, are we about to <laughs> like we're about to fight? <laughs> like me and my my like my sergeant at the time, he was like we were just like, are we about to throw down? I was like, what's going on here? You know and. Like, how about you go stand over here? It's like, is there anybody else in this house? Because I'm about to shit my pants. <laughs> yeah. There's been a couple times. It yeah. Just, you get on edge. Yeah. Sure. You know, and like. So that little voice in the back of your head's like, something's not right. Yeah. Yeah. You're just. And it sucks because like, you don't think about it too much here as like you would over there. And you're like, uh, nope, this is, this is when shit happens. Like, you start to get complacent. So. Dude, speak of complacency, that was one thing that was like just a huge eye opener for me after Justin Hicks. Yeah. Was how complacent I had become in like so many things. And I always told people, I was like, yeah, I carry, like mm -hmm. I can seal carry. But in reality, it was like, it just stayed in the truck. I didn't actually like put it in the pants and like I didn't actually like carry it into stores all the time. And then after Hicks, I was like, Shit's got to change. Yeah. I mean, it was a big eye-opener eye for me. And, like, now it's like, yeah, I can still carry every day. Yeah. And it's like if I'm going into a store, even if it's just to, like, run in the gas station and grab something real quick, it's coming with me. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've even started to just have it, like, in my gym bag, like, just in, like, a little, like, if you open it up, you wouldn't see it. It's, like, in a side compartment. Mm -hmm. And like, cause I keep mine on me, like my gym bag with me. So like, I know it's, it's safe, but I, I did the same thing. I'd be like, yeah, you know, I've got my carry license. Now you don't need it, but. Well, it's like, uh, oh, I'm in a nice part of town. Like it's not going to happen. Yeah. I go into Atlanta. Yeah. I'm definitely like, yeah. I'm putting it on there and like, I'm bringing extra magazines. Yeah. Okay, cool. But oh, I'm in Kennesaw or I'm in Woodstock. Uh, yeah. I'm just running into racetrack. It's not that big of a deal or I'm just yeah. going to go do an errand. I should be fine. Yeah. But now it's like, I mean, you just, you never know. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. And, and, you know, like that happening right at the house. It's like, dude, it, yeah. Why, why not carry it with you? You know yeah. I mean? It's kind of like that, you know, it's better to have it and not need it yep. mentality. And I, and I was, I was failing on that too. I was like, oh man, I got it in the truck. You know, something happens, I can make my way to the truck. I'm like, but what if I can't? Like, why would I yeah. put it myself as a, at a disadvantage if that did happen? Right. You know, I'm like, no, I'm just going to keep it with me. So. Yeah. So, yeah, the Marines, um, so, you, so you went, you had two deployments? Mm-hmm. To where? So the first deployment was to Yemen. Yemen, okay. Um, that was the embassy stuff. And then the second one was on the Mew. So we basically stayed in the Pacific and then okay. made our way around. It's funny because so we stopped in like, you stopped in different ports. And we stopped in Hong Kong. Our ship broke down, so we had to stop in Singapore. Yeah, dude, this like a less than a month into deployment. They're like, yeah, our ship broke. I'm like, well, that's... That's great. I'm, so what do we do? <laughs> yeah, I was like, so what do we do? You know, like, well, we're going to just slowly keep moving through this straight and hopefully, like, is... Like, what broke on it? I don't know the, the actual term, but basically, like, our propellers were going, like, like, we were... You could have swam faster than we were moving. <laughs> like, it was like, we're just barely chugging along. And I was like, 
is this good? They're like, well... We're operating at idle speed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like controlling motor on a bass boat probably goes faster. You know, you're like, what is going on? And so I forget what straight it is, but every country has like 12 nautical miles off their coast of like, that's their territory. Right, before you get into international. Yeah, before right. you get into international. So we had to like kind of shoot the gap on this straight that we were in. And they're like... Well, hope nothing happens because we can't get out of here quickly enough. And I'm like, I'm like, what the hell? So we finally make it to Singapore. They're fixing it. We get like another Libo port. And uh, so Liberty. So like you get to leave the ship. Oh, okay. It's kind of like a vacation. Um, so like you can leave the ship, go sightsee, and then right, like right. you come back to the ship. Okay. Um, and so we, we got to do that. Singapore is really cool. Um, it's very expensive and make sure that you don't, you listen to the rules. Like, so every country has, you know, obviously it has its own yeah, they rules. Have their own rules and Hong Kong wasn't a whole lot. It was just like, don't do anything stupid, mm-hmm. which yeah, I tell a bunch of Marines that cause we will do stupid shit. <laughs> right. And, uh, but Singapore was like, look, man, if you spit on the ground, it's a $500 fine. They're like, so what? They're like, yeah, if you get arrested for trespassing, it's punishment by like public caning. And I was like, damn. Yeah. So, and like for the, for like the naval ship, like if you get arrested, there's only so much they can do to get you back on the ship. Like, cause you're, it's, it's their country, their rules, you know? So our ship didn't have it. Um, but the ship that came in right after us actually had a dude who was probably way too drunk. I mean, they have huge signs. They're like, no trespassing. And he was like, check this out. And so he got arrested for trespassing. And him and like and two other officers had to stay behind while the ship was like, we have a mission. We'll see you later. So now they're down people. And they have to try to like legally get him out there you know, out of jail in another country. Jeez. I was like, dude, I, I don't want that on my reputation. Like, mm-mm. but yeah, there's like, they still do that. It's still like public, you know, like discipline and stuff like that. I was like, mm-mm. one thing that we took for granted when we went over to England was, um, we had gone to RAF Bryce Royal air force base, uh, Bryce, Bryce Norton. And uh, we had done like their um, English airborne school. It was like just a quick run through. We were going to uh, jump with their, uh, their jump masters for a day. The, the weather ended up being bad. It was, the, the winds were too strong, so it got postponed. So we got to go into downtown London. And they were like, listen, Yanks. <laughs> it's funny because they always called us Yanks. <laughs> um, no pocket knives. Like we get like that is just part of the culture of America like you guys carry them everywhere you go you all probably have one or two on you right now do not carry them like they will arrest you yeah they don't care if you're a soldier or not yeah do not bring one we cannot help you I was like oh damn okay (laughs) leave it behind yeah this is just not worth it dude like I mean at the end of the day like but it's like one small thing that you take for granted here it's like a pocket knife really yeah you can't carry a pocket knife blade like three four inches like damn that's all you you need to kill a man (laughs) you know 
Yeah, it was it was wild too because like, so I had, obviously I kind of stopped smoking. I started dipping more on the on the ship because there's only certain times like you know light discipline and you can only smoke in certain areas. So I said, well, I can dip anywhere. I have a spitter, you know, a bottle. And like, so they told us like, hey, when you get there, like, there's no littering, there's no spitting, there's no like, here's all the do's and don'ts. You know, it's basically like, don't treat your house like you probably would your mom's house. Like right. everything's pristine. It's in its spot. You know, like right. if you do that, you're pretty much good. And I think that's probably why it was so nice compared to like living in Hong Kong. Like when we visited there, like there was just, there was some nice places, but there was just, there was just trash. And like, so we couldn't, so anytime the ship lands on a country's port, they have to pay that country to basically rent that pier, you know? So we didn't want to do that in Hong Kong. So we, had to take a ferry from the ship to shore and just seeing how the water like went murky and like got worse and worse. You're like, mm, like don't drink the local water. <laughs> yeah. It was so bad. But like in Singapore, it's the complete opposite. And that's probably why they like, look, man, don't, don't treat this like your toilet and it'll be a nice place. And it was like, we went, we went to a water park there. They have a little Island, um, it's like tourist island. Like there's a hard rock cafe. There's a water park. They have a Universal Studios. It's the only Universal Studios I've been to. And yeah, so we'd all got a little tipsy, went there, hung out. Like it was, it was a blast, you know. Um, but so, so going back to the ship, like so once we got fixed, we started on our tour, and we actually wound up being security, like a quick response for the people that were in Yemen. So it was kind of cool. Like we had a Mew that was like their quick response for us. And now we're the quick response for them. Um, and then we wound up swapping with the, cause you know, you go out in like three ships and we were on the big ship. Okay. Um, so it's LDH. Couldn't tell you what it stood for. Large diameter hose <laughs> <laughs> or LHD. I don't know. There's so many acronyms now yeah. between, uh, but basically, it's a ship that's slightly smaller than a, a carrier. So we didn't have like a launch pad. Basically, our little jets, they're Harriers. Mm -hmm. They would just pick straight up and go. You know, everything just picked up and left. So they didn't really have like a launch like you would like a fighter jet. Right. So Harriers and Ospreys. Yep. Yep. Do not like Ospreys. Um, so... So yeah, we had that stuff, and then we swapped with the destroyer, which some of our buddies were on, which is a smaller ship. And then they were hanging out there. We were hanging out somewhere else. I can't remember. Oh, uh, could probably look on that map somewhere. Probably somewhere over in that map. <laughs> and um, they, I mean, they were like, "Yeah, we dropped bombs and we did this." And like, so my my buddy Pink, he uh, he worked for Combat Cargo, which is basically like you know, facilitating like, uh, anything that happens on the flight deck or in the, on the hangars. Mm -hmm. Um, if we get resupplied, like they, they manage all that stuff. Right. And, uh, so he was telling me, he's like, man, there was one night where, uh, they just like, we just kept seeing the missiles come. They'd load them up and they'd, they'd take off and they'd load them up and they'd take off. 
And I was like, that's cool. I was like, where'd they go? He's like, I don't know. Like, it was it was cool that that stuff was happening to like as like a support mission, but at the same time, like they were like, "Hey man, we're dropping bombs." I'm like, "I'm on a ship right now, and I'm just now hearing about this." Like, where are you dropping these bombs? Like, why are we going somewhere? Like, are we doing something? Like, there was like real secret squirrel, and I'm like, "Who do you think I'm gonna tell on this naval ship?" Like, "Hey man, so we're going here." You know, and they're like, that's just everything. It is. It's just OPSEC. Yeah. So I was like, all right, whatever. Like, that's cool. We blew some stuff up. I don't know what we blew up, but we blew some stuff up. Like, so, but we got to leave the ship a couple times and like go to Kuwait and, uh, and work with some of the law enforcement guys that were out there. And it was cool because uh, in Kuwait, it was a, it was like a joint operation base. Mm-hmm. So like we we saw like the Dutch and some other nations I guess whatever coalition was out there, and so it was it was a sweet setup. And then me and my buddy got in trouble because we were on the ship for so long, and we finally got off. I was like, man, it is like it is so hot out here. Like, let's do some sunbathing. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> and. Our staff sergeant told us, he was like, hey, man, it's like, we're only going to be here for a little bit. Let's not stir any waves. And I was like, all right. So me and my buddy Mike, who is the one that I go ice fishing with, um, he's like, dude, like we were like, here's the wall for the compound and like the last little post. And I think this is the dude that probably snitched on us because nobody else could have seen us. We took two cots out and we got in our silkies, which is like the real short shorts. And, uh, we're like, you know what? We're just going to sunbathe. Like, we need this. We're just going to relax for a little bit. And then this gunny came over. It was like, you guys think that's a good idea? I was like, no, it's not. He's like, all right, well. And this is the one thing I hate about the military was, be like, hey, you know what? I'm going to give you a freebie. I'm not going to tell anybody. Just don't do it again. Be like, all right. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Looking out. And then, like, three hours later, we had our staff sergeant be like, so you guys were sunbathing? You're like, what the fuck? Like, like I might as well just like, why would you? Why would you lie? Like, right. you know. So, but I had fun, dude. Like, I went to a couple other countries. Um, let's see. And then pretty much we got back on the ship, and then stopped in Hawaii, and then that was the last trip. Like, came back. So. So you the you just came back from an ice fishing trip too. Yeah, four days, right? Mm-hmm. Four days. Who came up with the idea to start the ice fishing? So, my buddy Mike, um, we we were on both deployments together, and the first deployment he was on another squad, so I didn't really know him all that well. Um, but we started like bass fishing a lot. Like he he's an avid fisherman. And he was, you know, he had the boat and all that. And he was like, Hey man, you know, if you ever want to go bass fishing and that's what really drove me to get into it. And so we just became best friends. And, um, and one day, you know, he, he always talked about, he's like, yeah, man, like, you know, I go ice fishing all the time. Like, you know, I was like, you know, that would be fun to just try. And I think we started, uh, 2017, 18, something like that. It's it's been like, f- yeah, probably about four, five years now. Every and year, we didn't go last year. Okay, uh, just because of work. Like 
so he he works uh for one of the unions up there and they were building an amazon warehouse and then like pink couldn't make it a lot of the guys couldn't make it and so we're like you know it's okay like we'll try to do something else but it kind of turned into a, a reunion and like just doing something different like ice fishing you right. know there's not much ice in georgia so uh so i had a big learning experience like the first time i went up there you know you you gotta make sure the ice is thick enough which i think it's like two to three inches is the minimum you know um and then like so we'd walk out i barely had anything i had like some boots like some warming layers like you know like base layers and stuff but like i had nothing that was waterproof like my boots weren't waterproof. I was like, I'm going to die out here. <laughs> I fucked up. Yeah. I was like, I was like, I thought I was planning right. And he helped me out. He's like, well, here's some bibs, you know, and just like, I'll drill the holes and try, you just try to stay dry. So it was a learning experience. The second year I went up there, I had bibs, I had rain boots, I had spikes, like I was ready, you know, the ice was not <laughs> oh, God. like the ice was not that good. And, but we still caught quite a bit. I've caught a pike each year except for this year because I just really didn't try much. Like we set up some, some spots for them, but the weather was just, it was not cooperating that the wind doesn't matter. Like what you wear, the wind will just rip through you. And you're like, yeah, you're like, screw this. <laughs> At some point, it's just it, yeah. It well, can like, it can only protect you so much from the wind. Well, because like you know, you're you're fishing this four inch hole with like this small rod with these little like, and it, it's just like a little little tap, you know, when the fish hit, unless it's something big. And you're like, if I wear these thick gloves to keep my hands warm, I can't feel anything. So like, you just see the rod. You're like, oh, maybe maybe that was one. I don't know. This just sucks. I'm just cold. Let's just drink beer, <laughs> you know. So. So yeah, it kind of, it started out like reunion and then, you know, just doing something new and like, dude, the first year, like we, we went out for like, we do like two or three days at a time and the last day, like the last night of fishing, like I caught a pike and I pulled that thing through the ice and I was like, I'm hooked. I was like, I'm going to come up here every year and like, just for this experience alone, you know? And, uh, and like the second year caught a few the third year caught the biggest which was probably like 29 30 inches so good size pike nice. and um and then of course this year like none of us really like we caught some crappie and stuff but we were trying to we, we kind of it's like a balance you know like you don't want to just just fish and then it's like you don't hang out and right, right. you know, like we're doing right now, like, you know, swapping war stories and stuff like that. So we, we wanted to balance and like this year was, was good. Like, you know, we got on some fish, we had a good time. The weather was crappy, but we were in the shanty, which is like a, basically a tent for the ice. Right. You know, and like, we were, we were just hanging out. We're, we're cooking some food. We're drinking beer. Like, you know, we're having a good time and that's all that counts that dude that right there like it makes it worth it you know yeah, it's like, like even if you don't even get to fish anything it's like as yeah. long as you're hanging out with your buddies your bros yeah and, like that that right there I was like i don't even care about like i told my buddy mike because he's he's so like his like he feels like his reputation is on the line if he can't get you on fish 
So he kind of sees himself more as like a guide. Yeah. Okay. And dude, like there was one year, like he would just drill holes like everywhere. He's like, there's gotta be fish here somewhere. And I'm like, Mike, like we're having a good time. We're in the shanty, just hanging out. I was like, just get your, get your ass in here and like, just have a drink with us. You know, and like he he's gotten better, but like he just saw it as like a failure at first, you know. And like, dude, I'm gonna tell you right now, like if we don't catch any pike this year or anything big, I don't give a shit. It's like it would be awesome, and we'll set him up. But like, it is what it is. Like the weather just beat the shit out of us. Right. Like because we planned it out, so like the first day it was supposed to be like this, like really sunny. You know, it's gonna be cold, but like when you're out there and the sun's out. I mean, you're fine. Sun, no wind. Yeah. Like, I can handle it. I can yeah. do it. Like, you take a jacket off, you got your bibs and, like, a hoodie, and you're pretty much set. Right. <clears throat> and so the wind shifted, and, like, it just blew in. We had a whiteout. Like, there was so much snow. Like, you couldn't see hardly anything. And I was like, no, I can't do this. Like, <laughs> I don't have the – I don't have gloves right now, like, that I could use and still fish. I was like – so I just sit in the shanty and I'm like, you know what? If we catch some, we catch some. It's okay. Yeah. I'm just going to, the wildest thing is you have to, I think I got some photos somewhere on my phone. You have, we had to put beer on the hot grill because it had iced over. <laughs> like it turned to slush. Jeez. <laughs> like you have to put stuff in a cooler so it doesn't freeze. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the wildest thing. You're like, just put it on the ice. How cold did like, it get? Uh, so the coldest it got was actually negative degrees. We had negative six the second day. Gross. Yeah. And, but so when we first got out there, the sun was out. Like as long as you had, I had bought some thinner gloves. As long as you had something to like cover your skin, you were good. You know, so like I'd fish a little bit and then we just hop in the shanty, warm up. And then we go fish again. That day was pretty good. But... The last day was like this, and it was great. Like, we fished around, we'd go in the shanty, we'd hang out, and we'd fish around. Like, we actually caught some good fish. And then we normally do like a fish fry, but we're like, man, you know what? Like, let's just go to a local bar. Let's just hang out. Like, yeah, we don't have to worry about like cleaning up a bunch of fish and all that. And I was like, where is this, by the way? <coughs> oh, so we go up to Michigan. Michigan. And okay. is it? This way? Yeah, I think the mitten goes this way. So my buddy lives down here in Ann Arbor, or close to Ann Arbor, and we were like three hours north of Detroit. Okay. It's kind of Harrison. Harrison is the little local town. And it had some good lakes. Like we rented an Airbnb up there, really nice. Um, And then we had like three or four lakes close by. So it was like a five, ten-minute drive, you know. And I think next year we're going to try to go further north. Like, I think it's Traverse City. It's, like, way at the yeah, top. Yeah, I've heard of that. So that's where my buddy Cooper is is near. And they have – they call them lakers, which I guess are just, like, the big fish, like the muskie, the pike, the largemouth bass, and all that. And he said, dude, they're they're huge, you know. And I told Mike, I was like, you know what? screw all this small fish stuff i was like let's get on those go big yeah i was like let's just go big we'll pop up the shanty we'll set the traps because they're they're called jaw jackers so you you set it and you tip the rod down 
and then basically like a like a trap when it pulls the bait it snaps up okay and then it sets the hook right it's supposed to sometimes it doesn't work it just depends on how the you know fish hits the bait um but i was like dude i was like let's go for some big ones next year i was like we'll just hang out drink and grill and then when the big ones come through because they were saying like you could get like a, a walleye and dude you'll be fighting this fish for like 20 30 minutes i'm like that would be such a rush yeah to be fighting something like that i've never fought anything like that you know fishing like that would be insane like you'd just be wore out you know you're just uh-huh. <laughs> for like dude, i, I want to go like deep sea fishing like trolling and stuff and like really go for like the big fish i think that'd be like really fun to do so we were we were supposed to do that last year because we didn't do the ice fishing and it kind of fell through i was like dude let's do that like you guys come down excuse me like you guys come down and like we'll all fly down to florida rent a car and we'll we'll get on a deep sea trip it'll be hot but like there's a couple of guys in the fire department that do that and like they go down they hang out, they fish the next day, and then they come back the following day, and it's like they just have a blast. Yeah. You know. Just make like a two-day trip of it all and just. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Yeah, dude. It's And normally, like, I would drive up there to Michigan. It's about 10 hours. And it, it's nice. Like, it's just I put, on a, I put on a podcast, you know, or, like, I'll just listen to some kind of audio. 10 hours you can go through two Joe Rogans. Oh, dude. Yeah. Three. Like, I would purposely like not listen to any podcast for like two weeks and just load up and then just up and down, like just dump them. Yep. Just play. But like this year I flew up there and it was so much easier. (laughs) And then I realized (laughs) I haven't flown in like 10 years. So I get to the airport and they're like, I'm like, all right, so I got to check in somewhere, right? Like to get my boarding pass. And they're like, no, it's, it's on your phone. I was like, oh, they're like, yeah, do you have a bag to check? I was like, no, like I've got my carry on and then my personal. And they're like, yeah, you just go to TSA. I'm like, okay. And there was like a handful of people. TSA was like, they're like, all right, do this, do that. You know, like it was simple. Like I got there so early that like, I just started day drinking at like 1030. I was like, <laughs> my flight's at two. I was like, well, while I'm here. <laughs> Nothing else to do. <laughs> oh, it was it was just, I was like, man, this is totally the way to go from now on. Like, I'm just going to fly. So, I mean, you just save so much time. You do. Like, it's like we were up for like, it's like an hour and 55 minutes, two hours flight. It was like, you're up, you're cruising. And you're like, all right, we're going to descent now. And I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> nice. So, uh, yeah, it was, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. We're going to try to do some more trips because, I kind of want to go up there and like do some smallmouth fishing, um, really get on the open water mm-hmm. and see. And they were talking a lot about like fishing Lake Erie. And the more they talk about it, I now know why it gets its name because it is Erie. Mm-hmm. Like you get out there and like just how the climate can change and the waves and stuff. And like there's no land when you get to a certain point. Like you don't see shit. You know, it's like, I think I'm lost. <laughs> Kind of creepy. Yeah, yeah. And like waves will just come out of nowhere and like they could capsize your boat and like they were talking about how like it it'll freeze over like it won't freeze over completely, obviously, because it's a huge lake. Um 
but it'll freeze up and people will go out there. But then based on how the wind shifts, it'll break that chunk of ice. So you could be, you know, you walk out and you're good. And all of a sudden, like it just slowly breaks away and floats. I was like, so what do you do? Like, well, you got to call the Coast Guard, but they don't take your stuff. So like people will bring like four wheelers out there and like they have to leave all their equipment. They'll just rescue you. I was like, dude, the amount of four wheelers and like just fishing equipment that's at the bottom of that lake now. Damn. Probably insane. <laughs> Jeez. You ever thought about doing like a small stream, like trout fishing stuff like up here? I wouldn't be opposed to it. It would be fun. I've been wanting to do like a guide service up here. Yeah. Get some uh, like big trout. I've, I've tried a couple of times. Like I was trying to learn uh, uh, fly fishing. Uh, Justin was going to teach me and everything and then of course oh, that never yeah. happened yeah, yeah, yeah um so for me i'm just like flinging this stick around out in the <laughs> woods like i'm trying and watch a bunch of youtube videos it's like but you can only learn so much right. you don't learn the the intricacies of it all remember nine o'clock five o'clock nine o'clock five o'clock i'm just like ah, come on <laughs> and like i posted it on one of the, on the instagram that one time like i got like this little three inch fish and i was like i finally got something heck yeah but i was like all right, I want to get something big. I want like a something I could. It's like worthy of eating. It's kind of. It's kind of like when when I we went to that little pond, mm-hmm. and oh, with Tucker, I, yeah, and yeah. I was helping you out. You're like, heck yeah, I got one. And then you're like, this is a dink. I want a bigger one. I was like, okay. I mean, you're not wrong. Like once you get hooked, you're like, all right, let's go with something big. You're like, yeah, especially like. Well, I mean, to my defense, <clears throat> this one was like. Tiny, tiny. It was. It was. I was <laughs> but I was so proud of it. I was like, I caught something on the fly bowl. <laughs> yeah, dude. I was like, that's that's what it's all about, man. Yeah. You know, just you just start catching them and you're like, okay. Like everyone just kind of overthinks sometimes about fishing. Like I got to have this color and I got to do this. I got to do that. It's like, bro, just just go fish. Right. Like there's nothing more calming than just being out there. Like, I, I want to go back to just like a normal reel mm-hmm. just because like fly is so complicated it, it, you watch yeah. these videos and i'm like i don't understand all of it yeah yeah exactly there's so much to it and like and if you don't have somebody actually teaching you you're like okay now what do i do <laughs> i choose right. what kind of a hatchling or a hatch or a, a floater or a sink i'm like god man like i don't know dude I, i'll tell you something so so mike always said like hey man uh so what should i tie on he'd be like i don't know the fish will tell you i'm like that's a good point. <laughs> just try something out, and they're like, "All right, this isn't working. I'm gonna try something else out." And then when it starts to work, you're like, "Okay, well, this is what they're hitting on." You know, like like when we were out there ice fishing, it was like I have a, these little micro jigs, and they call them spikes. They're like little little tiny worms. Mm-hmm. And dude, like usually I would fish that, and I would I'd get all kinds of hits. They would love the they love the red ones. They didn't like the white ones. You know, so we're like okay, like the red ones. Then we went to these little spoons. It's like a little shiny metal mm-hmm. that you just kind of work up. And we'd put little minnows on them, start hitting like crazy. We're like, all right, well, this is what they want. They want something a little bit bigger, you know, and just kind of play around and figure out what they want. I suck at tying knots. <laughs> Those tiny little knots. Dude, so I went to go tie one, and I was like, hey, Mike, you're going to have to tie this for me. He's like, why? I was like, I haven't like really fished in like a few years like granted i'll go ice fishing but like he'll let me use the rods and like i might learn how to tie it off then i'm like yeah okay i remember this 
but I had a complete brain fart. I was like, I don't want to hook into something and lose it because the knot sucked, you know? So I was like, I haven't tied knots in a while. I was like, <laughs> I felt like such an idiot. I was like, damn it. Yeah. The, I mean, with a normal pole though, it's like, if you lose it, you just cut off and you keep going about it. You just tie a new one on. Mm-hmm. But with the fly pole, it's like you got the, ah, oh, crap, what's it called? There's the, the floating line and then there's another piece on top of that or at the very end of it where it's mm-hmm. actually like fishing line, but once part of it's thick and then it starts going down to so it's like a leader yeah the leader yeah um and then you only have so much of the really thin filament at the very end mm-hmm. and after that gets short you have to replace it yeah so i'm like oh i don't want to replace it like yeah, yeah and then i tie on a brand new one i'm like all right start going back and forth snag down a tree i'm like fuck my life <laughs> dude i don't know how many like, times i uh, get to the tree they're like that's why I started learning how to like side cast. I'm like, yeah. okay, cool. But you I don't start looking at like the rollover method. Yeah. And I'm like, all right, got to get this. And then it gets snagged again. And you're like, God. Dude. Yeah. It, fishing is like, it's one of those most frustrating things, but it's also most rewarding. Like just out there, you're calm. But once you start catching, you're like, yeah, like this is great. But those moments leading up to it, you're like, I think I'm doing something wrong. What For me, that's like the uphill on mountain biking. It's like, uh, just got to get through the uphill. And yeah. then once you get to the downhill, it's like, oh, I earned it. Yeah. And then you just start flying down the hill. I'll say, it's just so nice. What? So what drove you to go do mountain biking? Like, like how, how long have you been doing that? Because I was looking at getting into it. So my buddy and I, uh, John, you've met him. Mm-hmm. Um, we started back in probably like 2004, 2005. Okay. And at the time, like we didn't have a lot of money and we we're not that I still do now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> we just barely skimped by. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like I refused to buy like a, a really nice bike to start off. I was like, I don't know if I'm even going to like it. So I went ahead and I bought a Walmart bike and I mean, I trashed that thing and, <laughs> a couple rides like the yeah. metal's just not tough enough so like the the cogs the little gear teeth yeah. start uh rubbing down and they start the chain starts slipping and you're like i need a better bike right so eventually we saved up for um our first like nicer bikes um and then after a while like we were both working at in bike departments i was working at dick sporting goods i was building bikes and then he was with me and then eventually he went to uh, the Silver Comet Depot uh, down in Hostel, I believe. Oh, okay. The Silver Comet Trail. Yeah, yeah. So there's a bike shop down there. And then he really started like learning like the high-end stuff of it. Because, I mean, I was stuck on Dick's Sporting Goods levels. And, I right. mean, people would bring in their bikes and I'd learn as much as I could. But to yeah. a certain point, you're not seeing the high-end stuff. Yeah. But you just build, build, build or you're repairing and then by the end of the day you're like i don't want to fucking look at a bike i don't even want to go mountain biking yeah (laughs) um so it kind of like ruined it for me um and then eventually i sold my uh i sold my bike and then i was out of it for a long time and then i want to say it was like right as covid began um isaiah was like dude you should get a mountain bike and we got that first covid check like the the stimulus check. And I was like, all right, I'm going to buy a mountain bike. 
Hey, you, you did what it's supposed to. Yeah, you're, you're boosting I supported the, the economy. economy. <laughs> exactly. So I got that one over there. Um, that's a specialized. Um, and that's then just even doing, or even from the five plus years that I was off, the technology just like drastically changed. It was wild. Hmm. Um, so like the guys like showing me all these new parts, and I was like, I right. I was like, I. I've been out of it for a while, but I still kind of understand some of it. And he's like blowing my mind on certain things like the dropper pose. I was like, the what? Yeah. <laughs> the seat can like go down now. What? And I was like, holy crap. I mean, it was a big thing. Um, like you start going downhill, like you don't want to be sitting on the seat. You back in the day, you would move your butt behind the, the rear wheel, oh. but you'd end up changing your, uh, your center of balance and your geometry on the bike. Right. So it threw things off and they realized that if you could lower the seat, you could stay in the same position, but up off the seat and it'd actually be better for you. Oh, okay. So now there's another little lever on the handlebar that you just put your pressure on it or push the button and like sit down on the seat, force it down and then stand right back up. Like if you know you're about to start going downhill, you drop that post and you get ready for it. Really? Yeah. Oh, game changer. <sighs> Um, but I mean, we started with silver or not silver, um, uh, sixes blankets Creek mm -hmm. and then old rope mill opened up and then moving up here, I started getting into like real mountain biking. Well, I'm not gonna say real mountain biking because there's like the stuff out in Colorado and Utah. Like, right. But like for this real area, mountains, but like mountains, mountains versus the hills around sixes or yeah. Woodstock area. Yeah. Um, so I got that thing. And I started going um, up Forest Service Road 58. It was like eight miles of uphill, just brutal. And then if you continue down, you go down this uh, road called Winding Stair, and it's like steeper than my driveway. It's and it goes for miles. Really? I was burning through my brakes. Like I was getting so much speed, and I'm holding both the front and the rear, and I'm just like, I'm starting to legitimately get scared for my life. I was like, I'm going to fucking die. And like, I'm just like, ah, and you can't let off. Your forearms are burning. Yeah. And, but it's just like this rush of it all. And you're like, oh my God. And you're just, like, you're just bouncing up and down. And you're like, oh. You're like, if the brakes fail, can I jump off this bike and tuck and roll? Exactly. On gravel. So it's going to be rough. Ugh. So like the very next day I started like getting on Amazon. I was like, I need better brakes. <laughs> so, you, so you updated that. Yeah. So I've, the only things I've done with mine, um, uh, yeah, just the brakes. I've changed the grips, um, and the pedals. Um, nice. I mean like a lot of high end bikes, they won't even come with pedals these days cause everybody's so picky oh, about okay. clip in versus flats. Um, so what do you recommend or what do you like? Depends on what you're doing. If I'm up here mountain biking, like in LJ and Blue Ridge, I want flats. Okay. If I'm down at Blankets and I'm just doing like the intermediate and technical courses, I'll swap the pedals out for a uh, a clip-in style, which they're called clipless. It makes no sense, but <laughs> and then I got special shoes for that. Okay. That you actually like clip in because you get the when one foot's pushing down the other foot can actually pull up oh so okay. you're always getting like equal pressure you're not always just pushing down like you're equally 
up and down at the same time as you're rotating. So you get a little bit more like bang for your buck out of your energy. Right. Um, it's more efficient. Um, but I don't have to worry about like falling off a mountainside. That's what I was going to say is like, but I mean, you practice with it. You could change the (laughs) settings on them to where you could pop in and out really easily. Okay. Um, And then it just becomes second nature. But up here, I'm like, I want flats. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to be attached to my bike in case something does happen. And I'm like, I can't get off. (laughs) I mean, I've fallen before and I haven't been able to break free. And then I'm just kind of like laying on my back like a dying cockroach and I got like a bike attached to me and I'm like trying to pop it off. And I was like, Hey, I need help. Yeah. Can't get this bike off me. You so. should call, you should call nine one one. That's what they're there for. Yeah. <laughs> Have one of them. I mean, Spencer, he was out at blankets oh, and yeah. he ended up having a, I think somebody called for him. Oh, probably. Um, but yeah, he, he busted his face. Really? Yeah. He, oh. uh, or not his face, but it's like his collarbone. Oh, wow. So was he out of work for a while? Oh, yeah. Damn. I don't remember hearing just about like, that. He's got it on his Instagram. You oh. just see the video, it's just like him disappearing and just. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. But he had one of those e-bikes. The e-bike? Yeah. Oh, so the electric bike? Mm-hmm. Oh, those he are He let me cool. try it. They're cool. Yeah. Um, you don't even have to really pedal that hard for the uphill. No, I forgot. I was at one one of the stations and they had those. They was really cool. So it's like you barely pedal and it just just take off. I was like, dude, you imagine going mountain biking with? That's what I was thinking. Like, can you imagine going mountain biking with this thing? Like, it'd be wild. Oh yeah. Like going up for your the hill, big uphills, like, it'd save a lot of time. Yeah, going up your hill like with a bike, you just be like, just cruising, not on. even breaking a sweat. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, and they get pretty fast. They're like twenty twenty miles an hour or something like that. I mean, it's well maybe it wasn't that fast but it felt like it was fastest yeah i mean it just depends on like what you're doing with it yeah um yeah i mean i I enjoy it it's fun i've been waiting for all the rain to end to where you get a couple consistent days of dry yeah because you don't want to tear up the trails and then some are just closed if it's been raining they're like nope you're not riding really yeah or just erosion you'll just tear up the trail yeah that makes sense um but yeah, I mean, I got another bike. If how tall are you? Uh, five ten. You could ride that one. That'll be perfect. Uh huh. All right, I'm in. We'll try it out. <laughs> All right. Um. But yeah, one thing I wanted to ask too is like, you have I'd probably say like a unique experience with the department that we both work at. Um, so far that you've already been at like an engine squad house. Mm-hmm. You've already been at just an engine house, and now you're at an engine truck house. Mm-hmm. So like, how would how would you say like you've kind of like evolved and like grown within the fire service just kind of going from where you started to like kind of like where you're at now? Um, I would definitely say I've, I've learned a lot of different aspects of like each person's job. Like, like granted, you know, so when we first started, you know, we're, we're on the squads a lot and we're doing the patient care and, um, I mean, it's still predominantly what most of our job is. Yeah. Um, it's like over 90% right. EMS. And, and so, like, you know, got really comfortable with doing that, um, really enjoyed it. You know, it, then you kind of learn a lot about people. You know, you're like, well, no wonder you're sick. Like, you live in filth, you know. But so learning that and then, like, moving into the engine and 
driving that and just all its responsibilities like kind of made me more skilled as far as like on like non-EMS calls, even really EMS calls because like showing up and it's just me and another dude and like there's no medics. We're like, all right, so you really got to kind of figure out like there was times where I was the more EMT trained, like I'm, I'm an, you know, advance. There's people that aren't that are senior to me and they're like, Hey man, like you have to do this because I, I can't. Don't. And I'm like, say what? <laughs> like I'm the one in charge. Like really, really gets you thinking like, okay, I gotta, I gotta know my shit, you know? Um, and then like, just, then now, now, so I'm I'm at a I'm at a truck house now, trucking in an engine or or a ladder company, and just a whole new dynamic with like what is involved with that, you know, like being able to set the truck up, you know, everyone's like, oh man, it's so cool, you get to do this and that, like, but there's really a lot of responsibilities, like you have to know the limitations of that truck, you know, you have to be able to set it up and and operate, you know, just like anything else as a profession you know right. like you you are the expert when you set that up everyone looks at you and goes okay like this guy this guy like he he knows what he's doing i'm gonna help him and it's like something goes wrong they're gonna be like well hey man what what happened they're like oh i don't know like okay why are you driving this thing you know right. same thing with the engine or or whatever like what happened if you don't have the answer like yeah you're not gonna probably last like you've got to, you've really got to put in the time and, and energy to like study like, Hey man, I'm going to go from searching this big area, you know, and I might, I might not have a hose line, you know, because maybe there's a victim here and you know, the fire's over here. Like, so I'm not going to search off a hose line. I'm going to go search right here and, and like, I'm going to put myself kind of that risk versus reward. Right. right. You risk a lot to save a lot. And there are people in our department that are like, well, you should never search without a hose line. Ooh. I'm going to tell you right now, like if I know there's viable patients in there, I'm going to go in there with or without a hose line. I mean, you don't VES without, with a hose line. So it, exactly. And that's you know, search. And I mean, even if like, <clears throat> even let's say like, you're on the first floor and I'm going to go to the second floor. If I know I can go up there real quick and search while you guys are pulling a hose line for the second floor and there's no fire up there, like I'll search up into, I can, it's safe. Like, Hey, we're good. Okay. Now let's grab a hose line. Like, like to me, there's, there's a, there's like this aggressive, like too many people don't understand, I guess, how to be aggressive without being smart. So I get why they kind of do in the fire service. Like, Hey, let's just take a step back. Let's, let's be safe. Like I get it. But at the end of the day, like we have all this training and knowledge and gear that like, we're the ones that should be kind of putting ourselves in harm's way to save other people. But it's a calculated risk versus right. just being I, I, yeah, I mean, if it's, yourself if, to the, it, yeah, the I'm not gonna just go in a room that's fully on fire and be like, let me search it, even though I'm dying up here. Yeah, like, and it's not survivable. Right. If it's right. not survivable, then yeah, like you, you do what you can. Um, but like, search what you can while you can under smart 
decisions. Right. And like, you know, being, being at a truck house, like, you know, learn a lot about like extrication and just like different tools to like, there's so many cool things on a ladder truck that, um, that not the engine crews have. And like you, you just get your hands on that. You're like, dude, this is cool. Like we should all have them. You're like, well, it's really expensive to get these tools. You're like, yeah. So it, I don't know. It just brings a different dynamic. Like, you know, more about the fire, like firefighting tactics, like an engine company should be putting water on the fire. A truck company should really be like searching, making, you know, egresses, ventilating, like everybody has that capability of doing it. But like, you could either be a jack of all trades and a master of none, or like you could hone in your skills and like, like, Hey man, I know if you're on, if you're pumping this engine, like I know I can trust you to like, I'll go do something else and you can trust me to go do this. Like right. there's no second guessing, you know, or, and, and that's, that's kind of lost sometimes. I feel like, like we are a truck company, but we're not, we're not called to do like real truck stuff. I feel like a lot of times, you know, and everyone jokes like, oh, man, when the truck companies finally get to do truck stuff, you know, this would be a, a sweet department. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, but I mean, we also just, we do a lot of EMS calls, you know? I mean, that's just what the priority is right now. Well, not the priority, the, the majority of what we do. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I, I will say that the department we do that we both work for is changing for the better. Absolutely. Uh, new leadership. I, I have seen things change just in the six years that we've been there Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I I mean, mean, solid pay raises. We, yeah. The mentality, the, the morale, like Mm -hmm. so much has changed for the better. Um, that I'm like, Okay. And then you got to understand too, it's like change takes time. Yeah. And that's, that's the difficult part. Like it's like you want it now, but at the same time you're like, all right, well I I know, I know we're working towards that. Mm -hmm. So I could be patient. Yeah. Like, like, you know, we, we had, we had a talk with, uh, I think everybody's had to talk with some of the chiefs about like what, what they want to do now and what they want to do in the next six years. Right. And I'm like, man, it all looks great. But I have faith in them because of the new leadership. It's it's more like an open door policy. Like, hey, man, this is what we're trying to do. Like, if we don't get it, it sucks. But this is what we're trying to do. Whereas when we first started, it felt like everything was like, it was all rumor mills. It was like, oh, well, this might happen. That might happen. And then I'd say it's more like open door by action not by word yeah because like they said they were open door but then it it really wasn't they weren't but like with this current administration it's it's like hey man like i could you could go up there and be like hey chief you know like so i heard about this i'm like look dude i'm going every day to like talk about this compensation or this or that like you have a sense of they're fighting for your benefit right they're not just there to catch a paycheck and ride the wave like they're there to make sure that because they they see that we're having a retention problem yeah other apartments are are paying more or they have this benefit or that it looks better here 
whether it does or not, I mean, that's for the individual to decide. But they, you can only do so much, you know, in in a fiscal year. It's like, it's like turning a big naval ship. Like, yeah, you can't just turn on a dime like you can a kayak. Right. Like, there's a lot of moving pieces, and it's a slow process. I feel right. like you want to be a big department. It's going to be that slow process. But once you finally get turning in that right direction, man, it's it's going to be just fucking progress all the way up. Right. You know? Have you worked for another department at all? Like just even part-time? Mm-mm. I highly suggest it. Yeah. Just even for like a couple shifts. Yeah. And then it's like, hey, this isn't working out or whatever. But like just going somewhere else and then you're like, okay, our department's not that bad. And <laughs> like you get a lot of perspective based off of like, okay. You you see what's going on as like a civilian, but like then actually like working for him, you're like, okay, yeah. Not that this place is terrible, but like, hey, our our department that you and I work for is definitely doing things the right way, yeah, and trying to change things for the better. I'm like, well, okay, cool, yeah, nothing to complain about, really, yeah. And that's that's in the, in the big picture, yeah. I mean, no no job, no career, no nothing is ever gonna be perfect. Right. You know, and like, I think some people feel like they, oh, we should, we should be making this much because they're making this much. And it's like, okay, well, like I've even heard people from like departments in California that I'm like, do you know how much the cost of living is in California? Yeah. I was like, it's ridiculous. It's like four times the amount, you know, it is, it is here. Like, so that person making six figures being a firefighter, I'm just guessing, you know, I was like, it's the same equivalent as being here. The same money in their pocket. The yeah. percentage in like, their pocket I, is, is roughly the yeah, same. Yeah, so at the end of the day, when they pay their bills, they have the same amount of money. I was like, and they're running way more calls. Like, yeah, there are some stations that are busier than others. And, like, I'm pretty fortunate where we have our real busy days and then we have our days where, like, man, I actually got to breathe today. Like, I just got to sit in a recliner for a little bit and just – like relax you know like there's very few and far between but um but yeah i don't know it i feel like i'm always trying to be more optimistic about stuff you know and even when they were doing like this this pay raise stuff and oh man i've been here before and blah 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 and i'm like okay well there's a new administrator you know like you got like a new president so maybe some things will change. You don't know. But if you're just like a Debbie Downer all the time, like, then why are you here? Like, go do something else. Yeah. You know, because my my problem with being that that negative all the time is you're breeding that into the new people that are coming into the fire service, and they're just going to be like, oh, well, I just went through eight months of recruit school or however long it is now. And you're telling me like, I shouldn't have done that. Like, I'm just going to be broke and hate my life. And I'm going to have to work 48s just to get by. And it's like, that's, that's not the case. And that's why I think some people leave. They're like, you know what? Like, fuck this place. Like, I'm tired of dealing with whatever it is. And it's just like, one, you don't know really the negative shit that like, that you're complaining about. You're so new. You're re- regurgitating with somebody who's been here for like 15, 20 years. 
like and all the bullshit that they've been through and i get it like it it has gotten better but like don't put your negative shit on the new people and ex- when they wonder why they quit right I'm like well no one wants to work here no one wants to do this well yeah you, you i mean just, you're, you're just a product of your surroundings if you're yeah. always around negativity you're going to become yeah like the same I, thing like i had i was at one station and we were on two different shifts we'd see each other in the morning and he was like dude he was brand new and it was a slow station and he was like dude i don't think this is for me and i'm like why do you say he's like dude he's like we don't we don't train together we don't really click as a crew and i'm like i'm gonna tell you this right now this station right here is not how the whole fire department is i was like there are some crews that are going to be like this there's a lot of crews that aren't going to be like this like i came from a station where we ran our dicks off we still pt'd we did everything as a crew together like that right there is what most of the experiences that I've had. And I've been at like, it's all hundred percent about the crew. Yeah. Like you could be at the worst fucking station, never get a chance to like relax or do anything, but like you have a good crew. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then you go to the slowest station where everyone's like, man, they just relax. They could train, they can do all that stuff. And they're like, and then they don't, and then they don't, they don't even check off the, the rigs, you know? And they're just like, eh, it's okay. I'm like, yeah, I I get you haven't had a call in like probably three months, but you could get on, you could put some gear on and go train. Like you have that opportunity, right? You know, and they just they don't. You get you get complacent. I'm like, man, I would love to like almost do a year up at 15 or something like that. Yeah, constant PT. Yeah, like, like every time I float up there, I get in like two workouts. Yeah, nap. like man, you could do so much, but if you just become complacent, then it's like. Well, now I'm just in a prison for 24 hours. Yeah, and that's how you look at it. You're like, you're like, man, there's nothing. I don't leave the station. Like, there's no calls. There's no nothing. Like, why am I even here? But it's you the know? perfect opportunity to train. To train, get all that stuff that, like, you say you can't do at yeah. the busy stations. Train, go to school. Like, Oh, yeah. And start a business. <laughs> start a business. Like, dude, and now, like, we, we pay, well... The goal is to do like tuition assistance, which is great. But like, I just got an extra thousand dollars added to my annual paycheck for my associates for something that I wanted to go do. Yeah. And like, and now you're getting rewarded for and it. And now I'm getting rewarded and yeah. I'm starting my bachelor's in March. And like, nice. That's, that'll be two grand. You know, it's like there's a reward for like higher education, you know, and there's people like, well, someone with a bachelor's isn't going to be better than me, you know, on a fire scene. I'm like, that's not what they're, not what they're saying. It's just, you are a more well-rounded individual when you are educated. Like, I mean, all the reports that we have to do, you know, we have to type up these documents. We got to do this. Like it is more tech savvy than it was 10 years ago. Oh yeah. hundred percent. You know, like you got to be able to use Excel spreadsheets. You got to be able to do this and that, you know, and, you do have to do that when you're going to school because yeah. that's what they require for you, you know. And you just become more verbally inclined, I guess. I don't know. You just 
you just sound better. You, you carry yourself a little bit different when you are a little bit more educated than just, you know, Jim Bob is like, Hey man, I'm just going to put the, the water on that fire. And yeah, it was good. It was a good fire. I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, yeah, that worked like 10, 20 years ago. But now, like, everyone is in your face. Like, hey, man, what happened? And, like, if you sound like a dum-dum, yeah. they're not going to take you serious. I mean, the tactics have changed. It's all science-based. It's not just, like, yeah, it's not, put water it, on the hot stuff. Yeah, like, you can look at, like, UL reports, and, like, for, you know, just as soon as you open that window, you got about a couple of seconds for that fire travels down. So it's like, yeah, as soon as you open that window, yeah, close that door. Why? Because well, you got very limited time. Like there's, there's science behind all this stuff and that's what keeps you alive and like allows you to study your enemy better. Like the enemy is the fire. Right. So why would you not want to know is like how they're changing it, how we can change to better protect ourselves and the citizens. So what would you say like you, like gear wise you carry as like a truckie now versus like what you were carrying in the past? So I still, I still carry an ax, uh, flathead ax. Uh, usually I'll carry, well, actually I'll usually carry irons. Um, I, I meant more of the stuff that like you keep in your pockets. In my pockets. Yeah. Cause um, there's some guys that they're just, they have so much in their pockets. Like oh, they're, they're yeah. bulging, they're weighed down. And you then, know, I don't carry a whole lot more than I did. Now I have like the trucky belt, you know, just for like, uh, like a bailout kind of like, uh, jimmy rigged one not that's nothing official but like worst case scenario i could make myself you know like i could get out of a window right right? i do the same thing yeah so i do have that um but as far as like tools in my 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 person i've got some webbing and like i've got a headlamp and that's really about it bare bones just yeah what you need well because if you think about it like the more you carry, like, like I know this one dude, Bo, who is like, he has so much gear. And like, I picked up his pants. I was like, dude, your pants alone weigh like 50 pounds. And he's got like a, like a legit, like bailout system. And he's got the, I mean, it's cool. And like, he trains. That's one thing I will say. He trains with his gear. So he's, he's used to it. He's used to it. And I think that's the failure on, on most people is like, or some people is they get all this cool stuff and then they go to put it on and actually do work. And they're like, fuck, this is heavy. You're like, yeah. Get gas quick. Yeah. So like I had like the cool flashlight here, took that crap off. I was like, this gets hung up on so much stuff. And I was like, this one right here, like I can take it off. I can look around I can stick it back up, like streamline to me, like, especially to like, you know, doing the, going back to like the trucky stuff, like we're supposed to be doing searches real quick. Like time is of the essence. So if I'm getting weighed down with a bunch of stuff that I might use in a certain situation or the, you know, few and far between, like it's just not worth it to me to carry it. Like I'd rather be quick. I got webbing and I can take people out. I can lower myself. I can lower them. Like whatever the case, it's multi-purpose. Right. You know, um, I think I've got one, like tool that I can cut wires. I can open high, like uh, I can open the hydrants or cut the gas, not the hydrants, but cut the gas lines. Like, like I can do stuff with that. Um, 
but yeah, I just, I don't really, I didn't add, there's some people I do, but I don't really add a whole lot of stuff because I just feel like it's too much weight. Yeah. We already carried too much stuff. And the engine or the truck has stuff. It has all the tools that I need. Yeah. You know, it's got flashlights. It's got a set of irons. Yeah. I had like a screwdriver in my first like year and it was just poking holes in the gear. And yeah. I was like, screw this. Like there's one on the engine. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we, we have one on the engine, like. I know some people they they buy their own set of irons. They're like, this is the whatever you know nine thousand uh, iron set, and I'm like, cool. This is one that's provided by the county, and it works just the same. Picks the same amount of doors you do. You know, it's just I don't know. I mean, it's nice to have your own stuff and like customize things, but at the same time, yeah, it's, you could waste a lot of money on gear. Yeah, and and a I <laughs> I forgot who I was talking to about that. Cause like I, it took me a while to get a radio strap. Cause I was like, man, 150 bucks. Like that's way too much. I'm only going to use it every third day. I was like, I ain't going to buy that stuff, you know? And then I finally broke down and bought one. And, um, and then like same with like the leather suspenders. Like I mainly bought it because our straps, like they kept undoing and I'm like, I hate this. So broke down. Like I try to be smart with what I buy because there's some people like, I'm going to spend my whole paycheck and be like the coolest fireman on the scene. I'm like, yeah, you're also going to be staying there just, you broke. know, broke. <laughs> <laughs> like I have two days off. I like to have money on those two days. <laughs> right. All right, man. Well, we're well over an hour. Oh, uh, wow. So uh, we'll wrap it up. Yeah. You got any uh, last advice for the world or uh, anything, dad advice or something like that? Let's see. Oh, dad advice. Um, don't be a fool. Stay in school. I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, now you ask me that I can't think of anything. As soon as you cut that off, it's going to be like, oh, I should have said this, you know, but, uh, now I would just say, um, really, if you have a passion about something like start dipping your toes in the water, like, you know, do a little bit of research. Don't be afraid to explore and fail it's okay like i tell my daughter all the time like you know what when you fail like it's life lessons it's not you're you're a loser or you're never gonna make it it's you learned how not to do it and now you're gonna do better the next time so find a passion pursue it if it doesn't work out that's okay because we only have one life so that's why i kind of I go do the ice fishing trips, you know, like I like to, I'm going outdoors more. Like I like to shoot guns. I like to like, it just brings peace and calmness. And I'm like, you know what, dude, I enjoy it. Cause I only have one life and I don't know how much longer I'm going to be here, you know, to, to do all this. So might as well enjoy each day. There you go. So, all right. Well, well I mean, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you having me, bud. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming up. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Bye guys. <laughs>